You're listening to a DM podcast. G'day, pod lovers, podcasters, podlings, and welcome to Behind the Podcast, the podcast that opens the studio doors and takes a peek behind the microphone to tell you, the listener, the producer, the creator, the aficionado, what's happening in the podverse. I'm Jules, and with me, as always, is Stocks. Hello. In this week's episode, time is ticking on TikTok's entry to podcasting. Call her daddy expands her empire. ESPN falls off the bar stool. Co-host uncovers the holy grail of data and quality over quantity. G'day and welcome to another week of Behind the Podcast with Jules and Stocks. I'm Jules and I'm just watching Stocks take a big old sip of a rocket there. How are you feeling, Stocks? I'm BB BB. Bouncy? No, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Feeling I don't really good. need the Barocca. It's a preemptive off to Mount Isa. By the time you're listening to this, I'll be in Mount Isa. Yeah, okay. Going right. to the rodeo. So it's the classic, not a big night, but a big day. Yeah, the preemptive. Get the B vitamins up for the depletion. Absolutely. Well, who says advertising doesn't work? Now, enough about advertising, or sort of, I suppose. They're all intertwined, aren't they? Let's talk about podcasting. There's been a kind of a big week this week, a couple of really quite large podcast stories. Always is. Always will be. One that we've sort of touched on before. There were hints of this, you know, coming out a little while ago, and I think there were certainly whispers and nothing that could be reported too heavily. Now, we certainly don't have any official uh, releases from the company itself, but it seems like some eagle-eyed TikTok users have noticed a little podcasting section pop up on the app. Yeah, this is um, one of your favorites. The Verge have reported that um, TikTok has been experimenting with full-length podcasts on the platform. Not exactly what we thought it was. If you're reading reading the headline, we both thought, oh, oh, wow, TikTok getting into podcasts. Now, there's been rumors and conversations and NDAs and all that sort of stuff flying around about this. And if I was a betting man, I'd bet against it happening anytime soon. But this is not actually what seems to be going on here. Yeah, that's right. They've sort of likened this feature to something similar to Spotify's Green Room or Clubhouse. So those are live audio rooms where users can join in and, and chat along with hosts and other and other listeners who might be listening at the same time as well. But yeah, <laughs> so what Green Room and Clubhouse, two things that don't exist anymore. Yeah, exactly. So is there something that that TikTok's seeing here that maybe the others missed? Is there something Thing within their user base, the way that they like to engage with their platform, that they thought, hey, we could take elements of this and really kind of make it, you know, purpose built for ours and and get some good interaction and engagement within the platform itself. Yeah, I mean, TikTok could be the best platform for it. Yeah, I liked Green Room when I used it. Clubhouse, it's hard to say that was a different time. Yeah, the world was different. Yeah. Oh, a way to connect with another human. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but Green Room I liked, except the tech was crap. Yeah. Um, I remember trying to get into a whole bunch of green rooms, and it would you either couldn't get in, or once you got in, it froze, and then you jump out, and then the room would be full, and be like, uh-huh. ah, great. I had a lot of trouble with Green Room, but. Uh, as an experience, it's something that I saw work quite well. Yeah, and theoretically, uh, like any kind of live event, I mean, you know, the the things that historically do really well on TV and this sort of stuff are big live sporting events, right? And then the, the, the conversation that's around those, they happen in a specific moment in time, so people want to be where that action is. So it makes sense that if you can release something that does have a live element to it, then it might bring a whole lot of users along. Yeah, I mean, we do something like called the Chat 10 Book Club, Chat 10 Looks 3 is a podcast. They've done a book club. Format is pretty simple. Someone interviews an author about their upcoming book or recently released book. They have a interview that goes for half an hour. At the end of the half hour, there's another half hour Q&A where yeah. people can put their hand up and do it. Right now, we're doing that via Zoom. 
something like this would be vastly superior. Yeah. Zoom's a pain in the ass to do. You've got to admit everyone into the room. You've got to send links, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this is as simple as we're going live. Yeah, exactly. Boom. Exactly. Let's get a little cue here. Put your hands up. Let's let's chat. Yeah. There's also speculation in there that TikTok is trying to expand its content offerings and compete with other audio platforms, as well as trying to retain popular creators and attract more advertisers. They've been investing in original content, such as documentaries and reality shows as well. And then they've partnered with uh, Sirius XM that we've talked about a lot in Pandora to launch exclusive radio stations. So that's quite large. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of airtime that they need to fill there. So you know, no doubt they're going to be experimenting with a lot of different stuff here to see, you know, how exactly they're going to be able to put a lot of uh, content on the air. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing TikTok seems to have more than any other social platform is the ability to go live. People do it a lot. Yeah. People do these lives and you can link up with someone else's account and you both go live together and people can interact with you. seems to be very popular. TikTok's definitely moving to music as well, which is going to yeah. be killer yeah. because TikTok is so influential in trending music now. And if you're then able to link through to a subscription music service from TikTok and buy that song or put that song on your playlist. Yeah, absolutely. Boom, we're rolling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same thing when, you know, we've talked about going across to Spotify with podcasts. Like you were already there for the music, so it made sense to be there for the podcast. Users are already there for TikTok. It's where they spend all of their time, so they might as well wedge a bit of music in there as well and just keep them on platform completely. Yes. Now, just to clarify, The Verge does conclude that TikTok's not officially announced anything yet. So let's see what happens. Are they playing around with things? Let's keep an eye on Twitter, on not threads, and see where things are happening. Yeah, X. And no doubt the eagle-eyed users will spot anything new that pops up on the talk. Who's your daddy, Jules? Alex Cooper is starting her own podcast network. I mean... This has been a ride, right? Yeah. Uh, call her daddy and jump in anytime you think I'm getting this wrong, but call her daddy was a two-person website, a phenomenon. Spotify bought it. Things went a little Pete Tong. Yeah. And it sound, ended up becoming a one-person podcast. People thought that might be the end for it. Alex Cooper has just become a phenomenon. Absolutely. It is an incredible podcast. If you haven't listened to it, I mean, it might not be a jam, but if you want to know what's going on and how to make a hell of a podcast, yeah. this is one. Yeah. This yeah. is an incredible podcast. Yeah, she's starting her own podcast network. Well, she's got plenty of cheddar in the bank from her Spotify deal. Um, this is a really logical next step. And it's also... Maybe her understanding, because she did go through ownership issues with the whole original Call Her Daddy format with it being a barstool thing yep. and then being bought by Spotify because they were being paid bugger all. She's clearly a smart person. Good on her. Power to her. Yeah, well, she's taking this with a with a Gen Z focus. So those who might be a little bit sort of outside of the marketing world, the Gen Zs are the ones who have come on post-millennials. Uh, these are the ones who were born after the millennial generation. They've been living uh, with digital technology and, and highly connected sort of world. You know, this is their natives to this completely. So these are the sort of audiences that are up and coming. They're the ones who completely see through all the bullshit. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so they think. That's right. So they need that authenticity. They don't want to be sort of if you know marketed to too heavily or if they are going to be it's going to be in a way that you know they can relate to right yeah and if you're talking about people getting news not from traditional media sources but from sources like tiktok this is the generation Absolutely. that's doing it Absolutely. and i think if you just want to comp for 
who Alex Cooper is for Gen Zs, she's Joe Rogan. Yeah. I yep. think would be the best comparison for Gen X. Yeah. Look, a phenomenal. So she's starting a network called the Unwell Network. It's a subsidiary of Trending, a media company that Cooper founded with partner Matt Kaplan. The network already has a few hosts lined up, uh, Alex Earl and Madeline Argy, who are both TikTok personalities. So she's going down this path, clearly knows what she's doing. I mean, I hope this is a massive success. The Unwell Network will have its its slate of shows. Of course, Call Her Daddy will remain exclusive to Spotify, um, which is pretty interesting. I mean, that deal was signed in 2021. Once that's over... I imagine she's going to... I think there might be a move there. Let's make some assumptions there. Discoverability, all these sorts of things we always talk about when it comes to podcasting. And and how do you launch a show if you're relatively unknown? I mean, it's going to be tough if you've got a bit of an audience that makes it all that much easier. If you are someone uh, trusted like Alex, you know, having this network, she basically vets the people who are coming on here. If you like her, there's a good chance you're going to like their sort of points of view, anyone who's on that network. And it also just enables the sort of cross-promotion between the, the shows as well, which I think is, you know, huge in this sort of thing. Yeah, she's got the platform to launch more. Um, she has a very specific lane that she's in and it just makes sense for her to expand out the offering across the that lane and that audience. You know, people are nuanced in what they listen to. So I'm sure she can tap into basically the same listeners she's got and give them different types of content that they're looking for while also growing the audience. Absolutely. This is a big one. And Joe Rogan might be a reference to who she is now. I think Bill Simmons might be a reference to where she's going. Yeah. Or the aforementioned Dave Portnoy. She's going to try and turn what she's got into... And an enterprise, yeah, and scale out, and not just be, hey, I make this show, let's make it huge. Yeah, Joe Rogan to a T. He hasn't really sort of wanted to you know, expand the network. Hasn't sort of tried to launch any new talent or anything like that. It's been no. sort of his thing. And yeah, all the things he's launched. I mean, he's given birth to a ton of different podcasters, but doesn't have any stake in them. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's my boy. Listen to him. I'm going to get him on regularly. You know, Brendan Schaub or someone like that. Yeah, she's got a more of a business mind yep. and wants to own what she does. Good on her. Now, on the aforementioned Dave Portnoy, big news over here, uh, ESPN has uh, shoved Barstool from their Penn Sports betting pact, and um, this means Dave Portnoy now owns all of Barstool Sports. So what are we talking about here? Okay, Penn Sports Betting is a massive betting company. They bought into Barstool a couple years ago. Uh, they bought a 36% stake in Barstool Sports in 2020 for $163 million cash and stock. And then they bought the remaining 64% in 2023 for $387 million in cash. So that's a total of $550 million US dollars. Changing hands, yeah. Yeah. Which is much higher than the uh, 10 to 15 mil valuation Barstool Sports had in 2016 <laughs> when it sold 51% to the Churner Media Group. So what's happened here is basically... ESPN, which is the Disney-owned sports media behemoth. What do they call them? The self-proclaimed worldwide leader. That's right. They're they're massive. They are massive. Not as big as they used to be, though. What's happened here is ESPN has given an exclusive rights deal to Penn to use Penn's sports betting technology and data as well as access to Penn's customer base and marketing services. So Penn is the exclusive partner of ESPN for all things sports betting. For this, Penn will pay $1.5 billion in cash and $500 million in warrants over 10 years. 
So this is such a big opportunity, and this puts podcasting into scale. Mm-hmm. Like Barstool is huge. They're a huge social media entity. They're a huge web entity. They're a real sort of, what would you say, a web 3.0 sort of business. Yeah. And then they're a massive podcast network as well. And yet, when ESPN came calling, Penn said, hey, Dave Portnoy, you can buy your business back for $1, and we're going to go over here and pay $1.5 billion over 10 years to ESPN to work with them. So that, I mean, that tells you A, how big the opportunity is with ESPN, but B, just some scale of ESPN traditional sports media compared to Barstool, who would you think has almost as much influence, I'd say, with the younger generation of sports consumers. Yeah. Are we reading this right? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, look, I think the big kind of the part of this is all about getting into into sports betting, right? Mm. Um, and that allows, you know, there's a lot of synergies there between having the, the rights to all of the live sports and being able to do the betting across it. So this is a massive thing that will be the huge focus for them. And certainly at a time where they're coming under a lot of pressure, they're being ESPN uh, from other providers trying to snatch up some of the exclusives that they have across various sports. Um, all the tech, tech platforms are always making sort of, you know, movements to try and secure some of these big deals, be it in the NFL or NBA or what have you. Um, so, yeah, if they can control that, if they can link betting to it, then, you know, that, that puts them in a pretty strong position. Yeah, it feels like this is a situation where no one loses. Yeah. Portnoy gets his company back. He <laughs> says he's going to go back to the uh, pirate ship style of content that made the site popular. We'll see. I mean, he's rich and very comfortable now. Yeah. But I hope so. This is great for ESPN, and I think it's going to be pretty good for Penn Entertainment. So, totally. Yeah, I guess the losers are the problem gamblers, really. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> Okay, we've talked a little bit about the Gen Zs of this world and, and you know demographics. I think we've got a new company here, Co-Host, who's debuting advanced audience demographics for in-depth podcast listener analysis. This sounds incredible. It does indeed. So Co-Host is a podcast analytics and audience insight platform, and they've launched this new feature called Advanced Audience Demographics. What does that do? It allows you to measure the podcast audience in terms of age, gender, household income, interests, hobbies, family, pets, and social media habits. Uh-huh. Uh, this is like the Da Vinci Code. Absolutely. That's quite a bit of data that they can pull there. How are they doing this exactly? Had a bit of a dig around. There seems to be zero information on how this is happening. Yep. I mean, for me, this is alchemy. Yep. This is how are you turning this RSS feed you're listening to right now? Uh-huh into all that data. What else do you have? I don't think Google's got that. And Google's supposed to have, so if you put the data Google has into a stack of paper, yeah. print it out on every page, that paper would be taller than you. And Google can't do that. So I want to believe, as uh, Fox Mulder would have said, yeah. that I, I don't believe it. But, you know, let's see. Yeah, well, look, if they put this out in the market and they start seeing some incredible results, they're obviously doing something, right? So Yeah, look, it was an interesting little dive into, this is how far I went trying to find something on yeah. this. Co-host is owned by Quill, who is owned by Staples. So Staples is basically like giant office works uh-huh. in the US. If you're into the NBA, they sponsor Staples Center. Quill is a similar business to Staples that they acquired a few years ago. Staples is owned by Sycamore Partners, a US private equity firm, and they own a bunch of companies that have been fined for a number of health and safety wage and our environmental violations. Right. So maybe they are just violating our personal data and finding it through some other sources and Who pulling knows? that all together. Who knows? Classic private equity. I want to believe, but nothing here at the moment. Let's see. All right. Yeah. Keep an eye on it. <laughs> 
Look, in other news, I think something that is going to become a bit of a trend is uh, some publishers are reducing their podcast slate to try and grow their audio business. Yeah. A step back to go forward? Yeah. I mean, look, I think this is kind of, again, like if you're sort of looking in product development or something like this, you might go, you've got your your divergent and then your convergent uh, sort of process where you just spread out and you go find a whole bunch of sort of new things or try a whole bunch of new things. You test it, you see what's working, and then you really narrow your focus and, and try and you know make the most of what has been proven to be successful. Yeah. So as publishers such as the Guardian, The Economist, and New York Times, so you're talking about people based on traditional media print, um, they've cut down the number of podcasts they produce or plan to produce in order to focus on quality audience and revenue. Look, I've got to say, this is something we're working on as well. We're taking the quality over quantity. We've got over 80 podcasts now. Um, we're very happy with everyone we work with, but yeah, I'd like to have 10 killer podcasts yeah. that we just really put in more time into would be my preference without you know giving away too much of how we're thinking there's a lot of podcasts out there i think it's a question of exactly what you said we've gone out we've seen we've learned we've worked with some incredible talent we've seen what works we've seen what doesn't work we managed to bootstrap our business yeah at the same time yeah look at least for my part of role in the business is going to be focused more on the top end yeah so either we're all equally dumb <laughs> um or Maybe we were going in the right direction here. Hopefully the former. Yes. <laughs> When's groupthink gone wrong? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, I've got a big recommendation this week. Uh, for anyone who's into sports or sports administration or even just a bit of behind-the-scene gossip around you know, very, very wealthy and powerful people. Love it. I am. Excellent. Well, this will be right up your straza. This is coming to us. This is a bit of a, a group effort here, really. Smartless Media, who you might know from the Smartless podcast, obviously. Uh, Wondery and Campside. So Campside, we've also talked about in the past with the podcast Wild Boys. This one is called Owned. With Rex Chapman. Rex Chapman? Yeah. So Rex Chapman was a successful NBA basketball player. He was known for having um, a high level of athleticism, particularly for a man with little pigment in his skin, who tend to be more gravity bound. Then kind of had a bit of a, I don't know, his life fell apart. And then he came back a couple of years ago as a red hot Twitter feed. And now he's actually like a real online media personality. So um, that's Sexy Rexy, as he was once called. This is, I'm in. I, Shit, there I you go. In. I didn't even realize that backstory. So that's incredible in and of itself. Well, he's doing this podcast and it's all about people who own sports teams, right? So it covers off a whole bunch of different owners, a whole bunch of different teams. This is cool rich guys doing cool rich guy shit. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I but love it. They say it's a mix of comedy, tragedy and everything in between. Now, this starts with a five episode deep dive into Jim Dolan, who's the owner oh, of the, the king of the Knicks amongst a, a, as well as a few other teams and and venues. Yeah, he owns Madison Square Garden, the most sort of famous arena in the world. Yeah, this is fantastic because Dolan ticks every box. It's a bit of his nepotism. He's yep. inherited it all. Uh-huh. Um, he's got this incredible business, and you can make the case that he's run a sporting team in one way fans would say he's the worst owner in all of professional sports. Absolutely. But when you look at the financial side, you go, he's got to be top three because <laughs> it's so incredibly profitable. Yeah, and so New York City, very polarizing, very passionate fan base. I'm in, and really, it seems like he's running these things just to pursue his own interests of becoming a, uh, a singer and a musician. So <laughs> uh, there's plenty of great uh, stuff in here. And I, if you're into that sort of thing, I would recommend this very highly. Yeah. Well, one 
of the great things about this premise is ownership of sporting teams is where a lot of rich guys or very successful business people have fucked up. Yeah. Like it is seems to be the one arena where heart overrules the head and Absolutely. the mind. Absolutely. And so this is just an endless, endless well of great content because it's just people you know of and doing daft things. Oh man, this is this is beautiful. So get that in. We can talk about that one at a later date. Maybe we can reach out, see if someone will speak to us from the show. But yeah. Look, oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's a definition of a hard-on investment is buying a sports team. Uh, yeah. It's a wrong head running here. Um, the other one I've got comes uh, from the Irish Sun. This is called The Kinahan. So this was recommended to me. The logline is, in February 2016, a hit team of six men burst through the doors of a boxing weigh-in at Dublin's Regency Hotel. There, a Kinahan cartel lieutenant named David Byrne was shot point blank in the head. Look, I, I've aggressive. dabbled in this one. This is <laughs> sensational and a, a must listen. Yeah, yes. okay, great. So that's our little true crime fix. I mean, look, we've talked about in the past how maybe true crime moving away from the kind of gory and that sort of thing. This is a very influential Irish drug dealing gang. If you're not into that space and you need a hook, this will tie back to like Conor McGregor. Yeah. And people like that. This will yeah, this is this is good stuff. Fantastic. Well thank you to listeners Steve and Chug for those ones. Jules, those are two great recommendations. Let's go. Thanks everyone for joining us for another week. Uh, it's been a good one in the podcasting world. Thank you to Mandy as always for producing this bad boy. And thanks to Ruby on the socials. Head over there to behind underscore the underscore podcast at Instagram. Like, follow, subscribe. DM us, do all of those things that you probably do on a bunch of other social platforms that maybe you can't even do on Instagram, but give it a shot anyway. And we look forward to starting that conversation. Mm-hmm.